welcome to Gamer Noob. Uh, from the Wandering Gamer Network, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Zach. So today we're talking about when players go rogue, or when your whole party just goes right off the rails while you're jamming. So what, I guess, what's the time, what's the worst time that we've done this to you, Zach, in our D&D 5th edition campaign? The arena. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's happened yet, if it's been released yet, but the arena. When Cody decided... This guy's the boss. I need to murder him. And he's like a level 20 fighter that you're not supposed to murder. Mm -hmm. And then he relentlessly tried to kill this guy time and time again. Yeah, and then our party was split at that time, too. So yeah. that didn't help. I think Franny and Nix were together and Mela and Dane were together. And I think both of those parties had different ideas of what was supposed to happen as well. Yeah, and neither of them were what I thought you guys were going to do. Like, all of my planning was just like, nope, we're not listening to any of that. You guys broke into a jail cell, which I planned on. That's why, like, I let you get away with stuff. I'm like, okay. And then you guys went, each went completely opposite ways. And I'm like, um, how are we supposed to do this now? Yeah, so I guess what was your, what was your tactic in that moment of, what are these people doing? What do I do to stop them? But also let them have choices. Survive. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of it was let them let it play out and roll with the punches as it went through. So, like, as you guys, it progressively got harder and harder as Cody, mainly Cody, did worse and worse stuff. Like, hiding in the office of the guy that you were trying to escape from was not good. And he's like, how am I supposed to know that? It's like, well, you weren't, but you also weren't supposed to just, like, make a big deal and try to shut down the fighting ring and then hide. <laughs> Since Cody's stealth checks usually roll about a five. <laughs> right. Um, so a lot of it was just me trying not to flounder, trying to keep the thing going. So there's a long segment where it's just like, well, I didn't stab this guy out because you weren't supposed to fight him. So I just had him <laughs> throwing like hand axes at them for a while as mm -hmm. they were running around this building trying to escape. Mm -hmm. So you try to like narratively hint that something isn't possible instead of just like coming out of character and being like this is impossible what are you doing right well because it wasn't impossible it wasn't a bad choice you guys made and it was more interesting in some ways but it was also not what i expected in the slightest so i had to come up with everything on the spot and you can kind of tell at points at other points it's like oh it's almost like this was meant to happen and then eventually got to the point where it's like i needed to drill home that like you're not meant to win this because franny tried seven or eight times to fight this guy and every time i'm like no you can't do this no you can't do this like subtly and then i'm like fine like you they entered a room it's like there are seven guys coming to help him and they all looked armed to the teeth and then it's like then they finally got maybe we should run away yeah i think nix has that moment where she's like about to stab the guy with her little d4 dagger or she can run and eventually like all these guys flood out and she's like yep running now yeah <laughs> so i think that, that narrative helps because you you don't want to, like, totally take away, like, Freddy's choices at that moment. But I think there is a point somewhere where you're, like, you're barking down the wrong tree. Right. And you're not yeah. meant to be able to solve every problem right now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, if you eventually wanted to take down this fighting ring, you could. But, like, that's... You have to be better at what you're doing mm -hmm. than you are currently. Right. But you did let it play out for a decent amount. I did. And then, like, the thing with, like, rolling with it is, like... I didn't want to say no to their choices, but I wanted to let them know it was a bad option without flat out saying, like, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's like, I'm like, well, I didn't plan on having, like, five guys fight them, but I'm like, well, I'll roll initiative. And, like, I rolled it, like, four times, five times. And then you guys are like, oh, that's a lot of die rolls. I'm like, 
overall in a couple extra times, even though I have no intent on all these guys <laughs> fighting them, and I wasn't really rolling initiative at that point, uh-huh. but it kind of drove home the point of like, hey, let's get a little bit back onto the track of like where this should plausibly be going. Gotcha. I don't think I knew you rolled a couple extra dice for that just I, to scare us. Oh, I did. <laughs> but I, that's funny. I waited until you guys were like, ooh, this is really bad, and I'm like, okay, I'll keep rolling a couple more times. Yeah, just yeah. So like, Nope, we're running. Yeah. And then I also, like, had those guys where I didn't, like, once you guys were like, okay, we're running, I'm like, I'm let you guys escape to a degree. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have, like, I didn't pay attention to any of their initiatives at that point. I was just to, like, realize, you guys to realize, like, mm, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, I think one, I know one time in Star Wars where this happened in a big way, it turned out better. Just the way the party split made more sense than what I had planned. And I think I had been concerned about like, oh, I don't know how this thing is. I want this thing to happen, but I'm not sure if it'll be, if it'll flow weird. And I think the way that you guys split the party, you were like doing two things at once. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. They just like solved my problem for me. (laughs) So it's always nice when that sort of thing works out in your favor. But I think if something goes really, really terribly wrong, it depends on your group, but our group is pretty forgiving. Like they would rather do something that's planned and has some thought to it than like watch you flounder for an hour if they don't have to. I mean, if it doesn't matter, if it's just like a 50, 50 chance, like whether we do this thing or this thing first, we're okay with doing the thing that you have planned first, which is nice. Well, I mean that, well, actually the worst time that you guys went off the rails was actually in an episode, the episode where you guys are going to fight the black dragon. You're like, Oh, Mela wants to go to a drizzer. Or I'm not drizzard, a druid <laughs> wizard. Mela wanted to go to fight a or find a druid to train her how to do that, and I had that next quest plan where it was going to be a bigger deal. And there, like, so the session before, I tried to like gauge like what are you guys thinking, where are you guys thinking about going, that kind of thing. And they're like, oh yeah, we're definitely all like on board fighting the dragon. It's 100 percent where we're going. And then we sat down the next week to play the game. And they're like, oh by the way, can Mela go to the druids and figure out how to use her powers? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, she can't. I do not have that plan at all. Right. And we, spend... we, like, we didn't care that much. It wasn't, you were like super taking away our choice because we right. could go back and do that. No, I think there has time. to be an understanding between the DM and the players on how it goes. Like we have a very give and take where it's like, I want to do something cool for you guys, but I can't make up a cool adventure on the spot. Mm-hmm. And like, like some people are really good at repurposing things and that's their style. But like, I'm like, I can do it to a certain degree, but I'd rather you tell me we want to go here next time. I'm like, okay, that's where your quest is. That is how I do open worlds. It's like, I prep for what you want to do after you tell me what you want to do, not like f- minorly flesh out half a dozen things. Yeah. And Star Wars is the same way. Like if the party is going to a planet, I want to know that before I try to come up with something that has nothing to do with the planet that they want to go to. So that helps. Another thing that I know I did in Star Wars is if the party was, there was one time where you guys had medical supplies that you wanted to sell and you were like really set on that. And I think I was focusing on a different part of what you guys were trying to do. And the party was just like, no, we got to sell these medical supplies. It's critical. And I was like, okay. And then you're like, oh, there's, we, we look for the hospital on the planet. And I was like, man, I don't, sure. There's a hospital on the planet. Why not? You know, I haven't done anything with this hospital. And I'm pretty sure that I made something that I do sometimes is have the party like, oh, Tell me about this hospital that you just created. Describe this NPC for me. And that that's fun because the players like getting to describe stuff. Um, Especially our group. Our group our- does get into describing stuff. But then it gives me time to be like, okay, what is this person going to say when they ask their questions and that sort of thing. 
So that, that I think that that's a win-win. Yeah. Our group really is in describing, especially outfits. Our group <laughs> uncharacteristically likes describing exactly what they're wearing. Like we're going in disguises and they're like, can we describe our disguises? <laughs> yeah. We do like describing our disguises. When you guys spent like 10 minutes describing how you guys dress up as construction workers at the end of an episode. <laughs> yeah. We do like dress up, I guess, but oh. that that's helpful to have the players do some of the work for you. Um, so that you can try to get your stuff together and figure out what you're going to do next. I mean, the other thing is, like, a lot of it, like, is a, as long as they're not going too off book, it isn't too hard to, like, take what you were doing and shift it around. Like, because in one yeah. of the more recent arcs, they split up and they were trying to get some information from, like, steal a document from a place. And, like, I'm like, okay, the two options are they go through it the legitimate way and, like, talk people and get the document given to them. Or they break into it at night. And they decided to break into this place during the day. <laughs> Which worked out beautifully. I mean, it did. And, like, nothing... I had everything planned out. Mm -hmm. But, like, I just didn't think you guys would do it in plain sight. So I'm like, well, I have to change a few things. Like, okay, there's more people around. And you have to con a few people to get out of the way for this. So they're looking the other way as you take the document. But it didn't really... Like, I just took, like, okay, we're doing the nighttime heist part. Mm -hmm. And now I just add three guys in that you guys have to talk your way through. Yeah, I definitely reuse stats for NPCs that the players meet that I wasn't expecting. It's just like, whoop, this person's stats are here now, and they are maybe look different, have a different name or whatever. But I just am fine with plugging that in. I know that not everybody is, but... What, a, what I heard from another person that DMs pretty well that I like is that whenever they need a stat on the spot, they roll a 1d4, and that's their modifier for D&D. For &D. Oh, So okay. it's like if you meet a random NPC, it's like, oh, you're doing a constitution, or you're doing a bluff check on them? Roll a 1d4, add that to whatever your d20 is, and that's what they rolled. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah, I like it a lot. But I know that some people are more okay with taking something from somewhere else and putting it there, but I know that that's sort of controversial because it can get really railroady if you just take away if you have two hallways and they get they both lead to the same thing that's kind of a problem then it's like why give you two hallways <laughs> i think the yeah. illusion of choice is kind of a touchy subject yeah and mandy wants to talk about railroading versus open world and a completely different one so let's not delve too much into gotcha. that to be continued <laughs> yeah i think we should all be in for that one because everyone has thoughts about it mm -hmm. everyone has different thoughts about it and like lifting stuff that you plan on doing later is not really a problem at all like i I've moved stuff around. I've moved monsters to different places and different rooms to make it more interesting. Mm -hmm. Another thing like I've I've heard is like um don't like you can set out monsters and like but don't pick like a number of them before fights and stuff because that helps you roll with things. Like if a fight's going really well for the heroes, oh reinforcements come in. Yeah. Like if you're just like oh the heroes are a little bit beat up for this fight, let's start with like two orcs. Mm -hmm. See how it goes, and if they start handily defeating them, have another two orcs walk in the door behind them, and now they're flanked. The spellcasters in back thought they were doing fine, but now there's two orcs beating the snot out of your ranger and your wizard mm. where it's like oh this might not be as easy as we thought or if they're like getting stomped you can have like one guy run off to go get reinforcements and just not show up for a while and like he gets reinforcements and there's two more guys but now it's like a fight of three instead of like a fight of ten mm -hmm. yeah to moving i do that for pacing or i did that for star wars a decent amount um just to I might have statted people, and if they're needed to, if the party like went into a conflict, then I would just be like, okay, there's two of them here. And then if things are going really smoothly, 
without a hitch, then there might be two more stormtroopers or whatever that show up. And I might have originally had an encounter of four, and I just like split it up so that they'd have something to do. And the choices that they made meant that they only ran into two at a time, but it still like kept things interesting and the tension. Or even if it's not the choices they make, the party never knows how many people are supposed to be in a room. I can say a room is full, filled with five zombies. The party thinks there were supposed to be five zombies here because we encountered that room. When I planned the thing, I could have been like, well, they're doing this too easy. I only had three zombies to begin with. Let's add two more to make it a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. The party won't know. They'll just assume whatever they found out, you know, like whatever they encounter is what you planned. Yeah. So I think an extreme example of this is when Cody was jamming for a different group of friends and they were all pretty new and they were going along. It was a pretty straightforward mission. They were investigating a murder and they were questioning an NPC and that made them really suspicious of somebody else in particular. And they came up with this whole conspiracy about like, Oh, it's like, this is connected to this and this and this. And so it's gotta be this guy. And Cody was just like, that is not, not anything that I was thinking of, but that's way better than I had planned. So we'll go with that. And so he didn't tell the players that he was just like, Oh, well, scrapping this thing and this thing. Like, yep. That's just kept feeding into their, their story. Cause it was a really good story. And so I think he used, he scrapped his plot, but used like stats for people and that sort of thing. I don't think he scrapped his plot. I don't think it was that fleshed out either though. Like it was like, I mean, it was a very simple, like, like find the bandits that are robbing this guy. And then they like make up like why the bandits are robbing him and. Well, it's a lot to be said for letting your players fill in details that you don't want. Mm-hmm. So he ended up changing a lot of stuff, but it turned out way better that way. And the players like had this huge sense of accomplishment because, you know, they had solved this like really interesting mystery to them. And I think it's really important to like give your players that sense of accomplishment, even if it's at the cost of your mediocre plot. Or your good plot. <laughs> or, or your good plot. <laughs> Yeah. Be a little harsh right now. (laughs) Do you have any other advice for when the unexpected occurs? When something terrible happens and you don't know how to do it, talk to your party. You're a GM. You're human too. Or if, like, things are going away, like, your party doesn't... Or your party... If you're a party member and your things are going, like, I don't like how this is going. Like, it's just, like, I don't feel interested. Like, it feels like you're just, like, forcing us down this road or, like, not letting us have options. Talk to your DM. Like, everyone makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. This is a collaborative game. I think that's something we forget at times is like there's a two there's groups of humans playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like we're bound to make mistakes. If you need if your party goes completely all off the rails. I've done this several times where they're like, "Hey, we want to do this." I'm like, "Guys, I don't have an adventure for that." Like, we can totally come back to it. I'm glad you're interested in it and I will make the next quest that. Mm-hmm. We cannot do it today if you want to play. Yeah. Because there's there's a part of me that's just like everyone always wants a good game and everyone's always like, oh yeah, just roll with it, it's good. And like a lot of people give you advice on how to do that on the fly. There's another thing to just say like, hey guys, I planned an adventure for you. I can give you a really good adventure that I took time and planned and you can then make decisions in it. And there's like choices I've had to be open in this more railroad style thing. Or you guys can just go over there and fight some stuff, I guess, because I literally have no idea how this is connected to anything, and I have no NPCs, no characters, no monsters. Yeah. And, like, you can lift a certain amount, but there hits a point where it's like, you can only lift so much. Mm-hmm. And it helps if it's, the game is more episodic, too, that it is it is somewhat modular, and you can come back to things. Yeah. Making things episodic really helps, because, like, 
Or at least, like, having little arcs amidst your big arc. Because, like, you guys have things like, we're super interested in that. I'm like, good. We'll come back to that later. And you guys are completely fine with doing your own adventures for a while. Yeah, like the 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 cool burned letter that we found when we went to the spectator that was guarding the wizard's old castle, I think. Like, we were all, like, really invested in that letter because it's super cool and burned and stuff, but it was apparent that there wasn't really, there wasn't anything to that yet. And so yet. we were okay with being like, hey, we're interested in this, so you should make a quest about that sometime. Like, out of game, but not needing to go chase after the writer of the letter or the owner of the tower um, right that second. So that's good, too, is just telling your GM, like, what you're interested in, what works for you. and What plot threads you like, what plot threads you could take or leave. Yeah, and that makes it easier for GMs to plan for you, too. If they know that you like doing puzzles, then they're not going to be super thrown off when you get really invested in a puzzle. And they were like, but there's a conflict over here. Right, really find what your characters want to do. And it's okay to sprinkle things you like in, because you should make it fun for yourself. So if like I like political intrigue, it's fine for me to build a society that has that in it. But if your players don't like it, don't be upset with them when they don't follow those threads. Yeah, don't have every conflict be a political thing where right. they have to talk and, uh, their way and I think stuff. it helps for players to not really go off the rails to a degree when you think about what your players are looking for in the game. Yeah, and have a little bit of something for everybody because board players do the unexpected because they're not getting fulfilled by the game that you're playing. So yeah, the that's time something good to throw it to think about like, okay, I need something for the person who's really good at fighting. I need something for the person who's really squishy, but good at diplomacy. <clears throat> um, right. And you, and like each player plays something different. Like Vinny and Mandy play characters. who like to think everything through. If we gave Vinny a half an hour for each of his turns, he would take the entire half an hour to determine <laughs> it in everything. Like he does that in board games, he does that in RPGs. So like we have to speed him along a bit. And Mandy wants to sit, which have fifteen bottle episodes, making out a plan before we execute it. If we gave her that option, mm-hmm. and it's not wrong, but like so that's why like we'll have like in Star Wars we had a, like we before each mission we'd have a session where half an hour, 45 minutes, we'd sit and plan things through because that's what those guys liked. And then you'd get to the game where me and Cody like to like spice things up and make interesting choices in character that throw the plan off. And that's why Caitlin's like, okay, like I got a plan for someone pulling a thermal detonator out. Yeah, or someone cutting- every single time. <laughs> yeah. That became very quickly apparent that I needed to have a plan for in Star Wars. <laughs> that's what I have a plan for in D&D is every NPC, how they take to having their faith openly mocked in front of them. Tell- oh, yeah, told by- them- by, by the friend. Gospel of Constantino. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's gotten better, and it and that's where his character is going. But for the beginning, I'd have every character. I'd list out how they handle someone just saying, your religion's wrong, you should follow mine. Yeah. As so a, knowing what you're... Having a good sense of what your players like to do, or going to do, want to do, means that you can prep for it, and you're not just in your own little world uh, yeah. telling a story <clears throat> by yourself. Because that's not really what RPGs are about. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, all the minor arcs are more catered to you guys. The major arc is is catered to me. Like, all the tropes and stuff that I like are all in in the major (laughs) arc. Excellent, I can figure it all out now. Well, I mean, like, Dane's Prophecy has stuff about the four elements, and I don't even remember doing that. (laughs) that, You just know that it's you. (laughs) 
Well, I, wrote, I read it recently because I haven't read it since I wrote it like a year and a half ago. And yeah. now I looked at it and I'm like, wow, that's four elements. I don't even know what I was planning on doing with this anymore. But <laughs> You know that you wrote it. Yep, it is very me. And like everything of the major arc is very... It's like catered to our players. Like there's things that like you guys asked for. it. So like there is deity involvement in the major arc, which you asked for mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But... The majority of it is like, these are tropes that I like to tell, that mm-hmm. I like stories about. Yeah. So you have a mix of things that will make the players happy, and then things they, that make you happy while you're plotting out the larger arc. Well, I the minor arcs I make to make you guys happy. The major arc I make to make me happy, and I get to put all the hints in. And then I throw in, on top of all the stuff I like, I put hooks in that will interest you guys and why you guys should be invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important too. Anything else you want to say? Any clo- closing remarks? Uh, talk to your players or talk to your GM like outside of the game make the game you want to play don't just try to make it happen by accident Yeah, that makes it better for everybody I think and everyone be open to constructive criticism I'd say as well yeah Yeah, learn to have a good foster a good environment for that you know Um, like if someone says this is like really hard for me to handle like you pulling out a thermal detonator every round like because towards the end of Star Wars Cody's like should I stop doing this? And Galen's like, probably because it just gets you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's like, well, like, do I have any other options? He's like, well, we can make you other options. You just have to, can't go for that every time. Like, like anything mildly bad happens, I pull out a thermal detonator. It's like, mm-hmm. bad stuff will happen. So, and Cody changed that. So the end of Star Wars was real good because he mm-hmm. just doesn't do that. And Right, yeah. Everyone else, like, we just use Cody because Cody's very much the wild card in our group. Mm-hmm. More so than any other player. Yeah. So just talk talk to your players, talk to your GM, make it fun. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> That's all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gamer Noob. If you want more of the Wandering Gamer Network, you can check out our Let's Plays on our Wandering Gamer Network YouTube channel. If you have a Kickstarter RPG that you'd like us to try out, or if you've got a topic you want us to talk about, contact us at wanderinggamernetwork at gmail.com or tweet at us at the WGN podcast or with the hashtag wanderinggamer.